0: Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The pre Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now welcome to the Pre-Med Years. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to this podcast. If this is your first time here, thank you. Maybe I met you at the UC Davis conference this past weekend as this podcast is coming out, or maybe I will meet you at a future conference. I look forward to it if that is the case. If you're listening to this in early October when this releases, I will be at the the AMSA Premed Fest at USF in November. Go check that out at premedfest.com. Our guest today is one that may surprise some of you. Our topic today may surprise some of you if you've been listening to my podcast for a long time. Now, I've been doing this podcast now for six years after I decided that there was not enough good, positive information out on the World Wide Web. And so I started a website, Medical School HQ. Net back in February and March of 2012. Now, part of the reason I didn't think there was enough positive information out there is because there was one site that had a ton of information, but was pretty negative. And so I talk about that site a bunch, and I have actively discouraged students from using that site. I've reached out to that site previously, I've met the founder previously. And I've reached out to, to the people who are running it day in and day out and didn't really get any good reception from me reaching out until a couple weeks ago, as we're recording this, when the founder of Student Doctor Network reached out to me and said, hey, we should talk, we, we should look at joining forces in some way, collaborating in some way to figure out how we can move forward. And so I got on the phone with Dr. Lee Burnett and we had a great conversation. And he said, Ryan, I listened to your podcast. I know what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about SDN. And I, I agree with a lot of it. And we are trying to change that. And that moment was, was great for me because Student Doctor Network is a massive, massive entity online and students are finding it and using it. And I'm one small piece in this pre-med puzzle and I can't keep everybody, shepherd everybody away from the Student Doctor Network. And so if we can work together and make Student Doctor Network a better place for you, then I'm all for it. Collaboration, not competition, is something I preach every day, every Wednesday when this podcast comes out. At the beginning of this podcast, I say that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. And I live that day in and day out. And so from this point forward, Hopefully, we continue this good relationship with Student Doctor Network, and we will slowly but surely turn SDN into a better resource for you. That is my goal. Hopefully, that is their goal, and we will have a discussion with their founder, Dr. Liebernet, right now. Lee, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me.
1: Absolutely. Happy to be here.
0: When did you first realize that you wanted to be a doctor? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Can you think back that far ago, long ago?
1: I I I sure can. I can almost, uh, I can almost picture it in my head. It was, it was the eighties. I was in high school and and I know that probably sounds like, uh, old timey days, but, uh, uh, I remember eighties and my mom was like, you need to pick a profession that you want to go into. And, for some reason, it just that that one just appealed to me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> and, uh,
0: Let me guess: uh, you liked yeah. the science and wanted to help people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've heard
1: that one before, huh?
0: <laughs> just once or twice. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. It, it, well, at least it's it's that's. Probably uh, uh, more the case than uh, you know. I was in it for the money or something like that, yeah. which uh, you, know, you, you do hear sometimes. But uh, it was it was uh, my my dad worked with a lot. He, he's not a physician, neither is my mom, but uh, they both worked uh, with an organization that uh, my dad worked for the state of California, and my mom worked for a nonprofit organization, and and both of them ended up working together uh, to help promote primary care, family medicine specifically mm-hmm. in California. So it was it was just a natural for me so i would meet all these physicians that would uh, my parents would be working with and they were all residency program directors, and they all seemed really cool, and they weren't like those stuffy, you know, super subspecialist, you know, kind of docs. <laughs> not that they all are. They certainly are not, but uh, they were just really, you know, kind of hip, cool cool folks, and this was California back, uh, back in the day. So uh, I just had a lot of good family medicine role models, and it was something that really appealed to me. And so, back in the 80s, I was like, "Gosh darn it, that's that's what I'm going to do." And sure enough, that's exactly what I did. I, I went off and uh, went into osteopathic medical school, coming out of uh, coming out of college, and then uh, wanted to stay in California, so I went to Western University of Health Sciences down in Pomona. Mm-hmm. Did that, graduated, and then uh, did a year of a family medicine program at a at a DO program in Downey, California, which was absolutely fantastic. Unopposed residency program, great experience, especially in internal medicine and surgery, which I just loved it. Um, and then uh, the next two years finished out at UC Irvine in family medicine. And uh, that was another just spectacular
0: program. For somebody who doesn't know the term unopposed, what does that mean?
1: Ah, it's a great question. So it's very important when you're in primary care to try to find a program, at least in my opinion, that is unopposed, meaning there are no other residency programs that are competing for patients at whatever facility you're at. So, uh, for instance, when I was at Downey, it was the whole hospital, the clinic, everything was just for our just for our family medicine residency program. So we saw everything from soup to nuts from ER to ICU to surgery to cardiac cath lab, everything. You had family medicine residents in there working right alongside the attendings. And it was a tremendous experience. I just learned just a fantastic amount that I might not have had the same opportunity had I been, say maybe did my first year and I'm not harping on UC Irvine, it's a great program, mm. but had I been at UC Irvine, they, they had there are residents working in a VA hospital or the UC Irvine hospital there in Orange, California. And so you were you were fighting for patients with the internal medicine folks, with the subspecialists, with the surgeons, you name it. Uh, and so you didn't get quite the same depth and breadth that you did at, a, at an unopposed program. Now, the program, UC Irvine Family Medicine Program, they They were able to have a hybrid where they also had a local community hospital. I think it was Tustin at the time. I know it's changed names, but uh, we were unopposed at that hospital. So we had some of our rotations and the subspecialties at UC Irvine in Orange, California. And then uh, we did our more primary care internal medicine surgery over at uh, the Tustin Hospital. So that ended up being kind of the best of both worlds.
0: This was late 80s, early 90s when you went to medical school?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to super date you, but uh, I, I want to <laughs> okay. set the scene because you mentioned going to an osteopathic medical school and yeah. there seems there there in my mind, there's a huge shift since that time with kind of the views of osteopathic medicine. And obviously there's been a huge explosion in osteopathic medical schools. Yes. What was the the thought process back then? Uh, of going to a DO school. And, and you mentioned wanting to stay in California. Was that really the yeah. biggest driver yeah. was just location?
1: You've, you've touched on a big chunk of it, right? So born and raised in California and absolutely at the time did not want to leave it. Now, subsequently I'm in the army and had have had experiences <laughs> all through the rest of the country and overseas, but that's beside the point. The, I wanted to stay in California. Uh, I had gone to UC Davis for undergrad. Uh, I, had, I had good grades, but my science GPA, I, I had, I got an F. I got some really bad advice, and in fact, this advice was what led me down the road to eventually create Student Doctor Network. So, this, so we'll come back to that later. But so I got some advice. I was, I was, I had not been doing well in genetics, and I just had a ton of other, uh, you know, tough. tough classes at the same time and i just wasn't putting the effort into genetics and i was like ah forget it i'm just gonna drop out of this class and and ended up uh getting a big fat f and and, and and a should have not listened to advice from from other people like, ah, don't worry about it. You can get an F and then, (laughs) uh, you know, they'll drop that out of your, you know, your GPA calculation when you're applying for medical school because you can just retake it and then you'll get an A and it'll it'll all be fine. Of course, that was terrible advice because that that F just sat there and it was, you know, big fat F in genetics, which is, you know, a hard Mm -hmm. science and it just looked terrible. So the rest of my GPA, it was pretty pretty good but it wasn't to the level that you needed to get into a uc you know program so Mm -hmm. um uh, that that uh, my my mcat scores were good Uh, this is back when they used to you know use the the different scale than than we have now but i had good mcat scores but that science gpa was just it was just a big call around my neck and, and was not good enough to get into any of the uc schools or loma linda um so a friend of mine um, who is actually a DO, Mitch Kasavak, he passed away a few years ago, but he uh, he said, why don't you take a look at DO schools? And I'm like, what is that? Is that like a chiropractic school or what are you <laughs> talking about? There's no way I'm going to do that. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's like chiropractors branched off of us, blah, 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 and I explained the history. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll come take a look and research it some more. And this is this is really truly pre-internet. You pre-World Wide Web days, so yeah. there wasn't any real information out there, and I went down, interviewed at the school, took a look at it, and said, "Wow, actually, it's pretty legitimate." Yeah, you know, they've got a seems to be a very solid uh, core program, and then the the slots where they rotate for MS three, MS four years uh, were were fantastic. Good county hospitals, great great experience, and then the people coming out of there, the graduates, they were getting very good residency slots. So it's like, well. It, I, I don't, you know, this, this wasn't what I was originally planning to do, but this this gets me where I want to be. It keeps me in California. And, by the way, I wanted to do primary care. So they have a huge match rate into family medicine, which I think even to today still holds very true. Uh, and so it ended up being a, a great match, and I'm happy that I
0: did it. Do you use OMT in your practice? That is a great question, and I do not.
1: And, and the, the reason is, is – it really, I think it works great. I, I uh, actually see D.O.s if, if 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 I'm having like a back problem or uh, yeah. any kind of discomfort in a joint or something, and they'll just do magic. And, and, and it's one of those things though you got to do constantly. You always have to be practicing to maintain your skills. And if you don't continuously practice it, then you're going to lose it. And I'm just one of those unfortunate ones who. Uh, when I went into my own practice back in two th- 2000, graduating out of residency program, um, I, I just didn't put the effort into continuing to maintain that skill, and it's now something that I kind of regret yeah. because uh, there, there's uh, I'm in the I work full time now with with the Army, and especially when I was working with pilots, uh, pilots really. They don't want to take any medication because if, if they take medication for their back pain or joint pain, uh, it grounds them potentially based on the medication. So um, they, they really appreciate the osteopathic manipulation. It can get them feeling good and back into the cockpit without taking any meds. And so uh, it's, it's, it's really where, where you have somebody who's a good DO who, who really keeps on top of their, their OMT skills. They, they can just, like I said, just do absolute magic.
0: You went into private practice after residency, but you've been in the Air Force for or the Army now for a yeah. long time. What yeah. what got you involved in the military?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I'm not going to lie. It's the same thing I think a lot of people uh, get into the military for. This was back in back in residency when I was still at uh, Downey as a, as an intern, first year of residency program. And uh, I was a dirt poor. Even with the, the paycheck I was getting as a resident, I, I was still in debt with all those student loans and uh, car payment. And it was, it was just, I just did not have the money to make ends meet. And a recruiter just happened to magically come by. (laughs) They seem to always know when to get you. And, And I remember her coming through and she explained the program and it was a reserve program and they'd pay you a certain amount of money if, if in, in return you give a certain number of years back once you graduate from residency. While you're in residency, you don't have to serve any time at all, which is, okay, that's great. So, it sounded to me like a pretty good deal. This is 1997. So, uh, you know, sign signed my name, and uh, serving in the military is something that I'd always wanted to do anyways, but this was an opportunity to be able to serve, but at the same time also get, uh, get, get some financial help, which I desperately needed. And uh, it, it worked out worked out really well. So I got, I got money through the rest of my residency for the next three years. And at the end of that, when I graduated in 2000, then I owed two years in the reserves for every one year that I took, uh, that I took a paycheck, uh, from, from the army. So that, uh, that was total six years in the reserves. So this was 2000 when I graduated. And then, you know, it happened obviously in nine 11 and it, it completely changed the dynamics of everything the military had been doing as as I'm sure you, you remember because you served in the air force is that mm-hmm. right
0: yep yeah. uh,
1: what what years were you in the were you in the air Force
0: a lot later than you um I was in the air force uh, I commissioned in two thousand five uh oh. no two thousand yeah two thousand and five and then yeah. served active from two thousand ten to two thousand and
1: fifteen wow, yeah, that's a lot of years yeah um, so as as you know, um, uh, really got into pretty high op tempo coming out of uh, coming out of nine eleven and what had been originally the reserves, oh, you know the, what 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 they told me was like uh, you know, it'd have to be world War III before they would ever call you up, and if we call you up, you're gonna be just backfilling a hospital and all the active duty folks will go overseas and certainly after nine eleven that changed and and it became very much uh, the reserves had a large chunk of the army's medical capability, mm-hmm. and so physicians uh, were being deployed on a on a fairly routine basis. So, I got called up in '03 for the initial push into Iraq, which uh, we didn't actually. Our cache combat support hospital didn't make it. Uh, overseas we sent all of our stuff over there and then we're supposed to be part of uh, the northern front coming from turkey down into uh, iraq Uh, but if you recall back in in 2001 turkey voted and said no we don't want any troops here so that uh, that left our cash with all of our equipment over uh, uh, over off the coast of turkey and nowhere to go so uh, we ended up kind of just sitting at uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, which uh, is a beautiful place, but it rains like the Dickens during during the wintertime. But we were up there from January until uh, basically end of May, early June. And and if you recall, the war had started and then by by May or whatever, you know, the war was seemingly over. George Bush had landed a plane on the aircraft carrier and uh, mission accomplished. And, and it, it was actually kind of interesting because you'd think you think, you know, when I was a civilian, like, oh, I'd never want to go to war if I could avoid it, right? But um, really, I was very disappointed, as were all of my colleagues, like, gosh, darn it. We missed our, we missed our one opportunity to, you know, to go serve our country overseas um, and, and take care of soldiers. And we were all kind of disheartened by it, not knowing that by no means was mission accomplished. We still had many more years to go. In fact, you know, we're still, we're still in Iraq in, in, some, in some form um and then also still in Afghanistan so uh we all went back home went back to our practices I had a civilian practice at the time down in uh, California and uh it was it was it was a good experience I'm glad I had done it um but after that I was like well I'll just finish out my six years and I'll get out not knowing that I was going to get called up again in 2005 Uh, so I got called up in 05 by then it was a pretty routine uh rotation they would they 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 had it where you would get on a plane, you'd fly to a location. They'd get you within two weeks, all prepped and ready to go overseas, and then you'd fly straight into uh, straight over and, and end up over in Iraq. And so I served with a combat support hospital uh, for four months over in Iraq, and a little side story. This was actually kind of cool. While I'm there, they're like, hey, we need a doc to cover the Saddam trial. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I, would, <laughs> I raised my hand and said, like, yes, I'll go do that. Because no, nobody else wanted to do it for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll, go. I'll definitely want to go do that. So I got the opportunity back in 05, early 06, I think it was at this point, And I uh, got to actually go be at the Saddam trial and, and see all of how that how all that Whole operation uh, was going, and it was just—it was really fascinating, mm. and it changed my opinion of, of the military. Of, of uh, you know, this is something that uh, was—it was great to be able to help uh, take care of the soldiers, but now it was something, something more. I could see the bigger picture, the the operational or strategic level, and what we were able to do uh, as a nation uh, with with trying to was trying to make things better. And you know, own political thoughts aside, you know, we were definitely trying to do what we could to make uh, make life better for uh, for the people over there. Yeah. And so um, that that went on I was there for I was there for a week watching the Saddam trial and, and being the physician there in case something happened. Um, and that was that was really something to be there and watch history happen in front of you, not be a part of it, but just watch it. Yeah, I just found it to be so, so interesting. It's like, well, maybe this army, uh, army thing is something that I want to stay, stay in with and, and go long, long-term with. So came back, I uh, went back to my practice, uh, started doing, you know, making sure I was doing my drills on the weekends, and the two weeks, uh, two weeks a year. And then in 08, got called up again. I went back to Iraq, did, uh, did three months at that time and then came back, um, and decided at that point, you know. I think I might wanna do this full time. I really enjoy it. I enjoy the times that I'm going overseas and I'm serving with uh, other physicians, nurses, uh, specialists, taking care of you know, our, our men and women who, who uh, we put into harm's way. And it was uh, just such a rewarding experience. And it, it's a rewarding experience period to be a physician, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to help people, uh, but here's somewhere where you could just see like every single thing you did made a difference. Back in the civilian world, I was treating hypertension, treating diabetes, you know, treating hyperlipidemia, but you just don't see it. You know, you can't see right in front of you something, you know, make, making a huge difference. Um, it's great. I love it. And I love being a family doc and seeing people grow and um, having the having the honor and opportunity to take care of, of families. Uh, but so much more enjoyed taking care of, uh, taking care of soldiers and their families. So uh, started looking around, and in '09 went full time with Army Reserves. Went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and that was my first time being out of California for any long period of time. And uh, ended up really, uh, really enjoying it. And then decided in 2011 going full time active component. Uh, and then decided, you know what? What I really want to do is I want to really learn what it's like to be in the infantry. And so I volunteered to be at the 82nd Airborne Division, which is also there at Fort Bragg, and uh, had a tremendous experience, was there for two years, and I had the opportunity to, to deploy as a, as a brigade surgeon, and uh, it was a rough deployment, but um, I worked with just some fantastic uh, physician assistants and physicians and um, medics, and, and uh, really made the difference when it absolutely mattered, and uh, honored to have had the opportunity to have done that. So uh, after that, then uh, just have continued to be in the military, did a uh, year at uh, um, in kansas and then uh four years actually ended up over in in korea uh serving with the second infantry division and then with the hospital that we have over there for a couple of years and now <laughs> that's my life story now i'm here in uh, fort polk louisiana uh, with the 115th combat support hospital so that's it in uh, kind of a big nutshell
0: yeah so what for what turns from a a need for money you have found your your calling in life of serving the the men and women of the army
1: absolutely i just love it it yeah. it's uh it's it's a great experience and the other thing that i really appreciate as a as a physician is it's a single healthcare system yeah. and as when i was a family medicine doc out in southern california i had to deal with all the different insurers and and you couldn't you couldn't order some of the tests that you just knew you had to order like if i needed to order a ct scan or mri and you know it's the algorithmic next thing that you do as you're working somebody up for something. The insurance companies wouldn't let you do it. And it was very frustrating. Or you needed to get a medication. And and, and the amount of paperwork and effort that went into it was just, just crushed your soul. And, and, and it just saw it getting worse and worse and worse every year that I was in private practice. So getting the opportunity to be in the, the military where it's a single healthcare system. And you can order what you need to order. Uh, you get the medications you need to get. Uh, that part is very refreshing,
0: yeah you mentioned going back to your college days, your f getting poor advising and yeah. and at some point that kind of being the impetus for student doctor network. Talk yeah. about where that brainchild came from,
1: yeah, well, it goes back to when I was in medical school right so it uh, 1993 is when i started med school and it was it was i think the time we had i think 17 osteopathic medical schools there's obviously more now but back at the time we had 17 osteopathic medical schools across the country and we really had no idea like are this are the things going on in my medical school the same things that are going on in other medical schools do we do they have the same problems that we have here or the same issues and uh you know, you'd meet people at conferences and stuff and, and you'd talk with them and and oh yeah, yeah, we have the same problem or whatever and like, oh okay. So I came up with the idea of let's make let's make a newspaper, we call it the osteopathic pulse. It was myself and a friend of mine named Fran, uh, who's also in med school and And so we created this newspaper and and it had articles from each of the different medical, osteopathic medical schools in the country. And we distributed it for free based on, you know, it's all paid for with advertising, Uh, distributed it for free to all all the schools. All their first and second years uh, had access to it. The third and fourth years, of course, were out doing their rotations. But uh, so we did that in 2000 or I'm sorry, 1994. And then, and then that continued. 1995, and then 96. Now, this is about when the World Wide Web started to become a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, about 95, probably early 96, was I, I figured out how does the internet work, and how does dial up to the internet? what's <laughs> all this stuff? TCP/IP, and oh, it's all crazy. It was really complicated back in the day. Um, but I, I learned how to do HTML programming, which was pretty simple, uh, and took all the took all the articles out of the uh, um, took all the articles from the newspaper and put them onto the internet so that those third and fourth year students could see it uh, online and I don't know maybe we had 20 or so people ever use use that website but it's where I learned how to use the internet and and created a little chat room and then also created a forum which back in 97 or 98 I don't even know if, if MySQL or PHP had even been developed at that point so Literally, it was this flat file database forum where every time you'd updated a page, uh, it, cr- it literally created a new page. So a thread would be a page in and of itself, and it would just create a whole new page. And there was no database or anything behind it. So uh, that, that was that was the old days of the Internet. That's over 20 years ago now. Uh, and it just evolved from there. So by 97, I was graduating from med school. The newspaper, we weren't really doing anymore because we just didn't have time because we were, you know, busy third and fourth years. Um, and, but the internet was so, so interesting. I just continued to develop stuff there and then created, uh, at that point by about 98, 99, that's where you start having MySQL and PHP and all that. So we had a forum, which, uh, I don't even remember what that forum was like UBB or some, some platform like that, but, uh, uh, created a forum and that wasn't even supposed to be the Part of the site that we were really interested in, we we were trying to do was just have good quality content uh, about other schools and interesting things. And there were only about two or three other websites out there at the time uh, for for medical students. So there was uh, one by Jim Henderson, and there was another one by Nancy Steen, and there was a dental uh, network out there as well. And so and, uh, and then there was ours. So. I got together with them online and say, "Hey, why don't we just bring them all together and create one thing that's not just for DOs or MDs or dental students or whatever let's call it. Let's bring it together. And we'll call it the Student Doctor Network because uh, it'll be for everybody. And again, we weren't really that focused on the forums. We were really focused on everything else, all the <laughs> articles and how to get into med school or how to get into dental school or this and that. And uh, and the forums were just an afterthought. Uh, I had also like a chat room and stuff." But over time, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, the forum just continued to get bigger and bigger. And before you knew it, that was like everything, like basically when you said student doctor network, people just assume we're talking about the forums and not anything else, any of the other components of the site. So, um, and and it was, it was a fun time back in the early 2000s, there wasn't, uh, there weren't there wasn't much else out there as far as forum sites. There was no Facebook yet. There maybe MySpace was starting to come around, but that was a unique little thing. And so it was the one place where people could go and get advice or do peer, you know, peer to peer support. And it was a lot of fun and it was a neat community. Um, and then over the years, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just like, I just couldn't believe how, uh, you know, busy it got over over the years to you know where we are right now. I think I was just looking at it a few minutes ago. There's like three thousand 3,000 people on there right now, which is just fantastic. You know, it's great. What are that, you
0: doing here? Why are you hanging out on my website?
1: <laughs> I'm happy they do. Yeah. You, know, I, it, you know, it was something that we created uh, kind of as a love because we wanted to you know, give back to the community that, that uh, you know, given so much to us and getting back to that story that I told you earlier. Uh, you know, I got really crappy advice uh, back when I was at UC Davis, not from the advisor, just from other friends or whatever, um, and and that really then over time kind of drove what we were doing as far as a student doctor network and making sure that we had good, good, reliable information and. Then we had the peer support area with the forums, uh, and that that's that's really what what drove it and and how we ended up where we're at today. Now, one thing that has happened is the internet's changed dramatically over the last like 20 years, right? So, um, in the early days, it was maybe maybe we'd have you know, 40 people on the forums or for a while there it grew and we were quite excited. I remember back, I think 2003 or so, we would have 200 people on the forums and the forums would actually start running really slow because they couldn't <laughs> keep up with all that, all that demand. Um, and it's just grown and grown. But what's changed has been really the dynamics of uh, how people relate to each other on, on the internet. Back in the, back in the good old days, people were very, I think, I think more not not as jaded maybe as people are now um there certainly wasn't as much trolling or that sort of thing that that you see nowadays um so it was a very very positive community and in fact whenever like if let's say there was a little flame wars little tussle or something like that and a moderator would go in and say hey cool it guys um the moderator would get beat up for for you know try, for for uh you know having any any input on the conversation at all the internet was much more of a this is an area where we share ideas freely and we don't want we don't want moderation um but that's that's obviously changed a lot over the years
0: yeah it it's it's interesting to hear kind of the 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 thought behind what you wanted SDN to be and and where it is now, and kind of the birth of what I've been doing uh, because of that. At what point do you think, from the forums specifically, did you see a switch from that more positive, uplifting collaboration to to more of the trolling and, and more of the heated um, kind of flame wars?
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. It kind of. I think it might almost be like a boiling frog syndrome, right? Where, where you're just kind of sitting there and you don't notice it. Um, so I, I think what you see today on the forums, or just forums in general, I'm not talking about just specifically student doctor network, whether you're on Reddit or, or whatever else, um, the the culture changed gradually. It wasn't like an overnight thing. But I really, when I go back and look through posts, I really start to see it around, I'd say 2008, 2009 time frame. And I don't know if it has any imp- relation to the economy or just a generational shift. Or that's also when Facebook was really had taken off. Um. And lots, just, you know, the number of people that are on the internet now, 20 years later than there were, you know, back in 2000, uh, is astronomical. So, um, I think just as more people came on the internet and things became even maybe in some respects more anonymous, um, people became, uh, had that anonymity of the keyboard and, and gotten to um, bad places where they wouldn't wouldn't have gone had they not had that same level of anonymity. So, what really happened, at least for Student Doctor Network, over the years, is we had this initial model, and a lot of the moderators, you know, they they stay with the site. Everybody volunteers their time with the Student Doctor Network, other than the few people who we have uh, who, who keep it keep it going. Um, but like all the volunteers, myself, we, we all we all volunteer time. All the moderators, myself, we all volunteer time, and we had old rules back from the early days of Student Doctor Network where, hey, you know, our our users don't want to be moderated. Let's leave them alone. Um, If something really gets out of hand, then we'll go in there. But usually the forums would kind of take care of themselves. One person would say something rude, two other people would come in and say, hey, knock it off. Don't be a knucklehead. And and that worked pretty well. So as we started to go into 08, 09, 10, uh, that's where we saw that in retrospect started really seeing a shift where that self-regulation wasn't happening as much anymore. And people, for whatever reason, don't, don't use the report bad post button as much as, as much as I would like uh, almost as though people just kind of expect bad behavior uh, <laughs> rather and they just tolerate it. Uh, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's sad to see where we are, as a whole, as a nation, or across the across the internet globally, that we have such a negative discourse so frequently in in public forums. So certainly, the Student Doctor Network we've had to really change our moderation over the past few years um, from that. Hey, hands off! We don't want to be thought police. To hey, you know, we really need to keep a close eye on what. People are saying, you know, be very, you know, aggressive and getting in there and uh, removing people who are being negative, trolling. Uh- uh, certainly, before the elections, we were seeing uh, a fair amount of that, you know, really negative um, stuff. And I don't think we ever had any, you know, Russian. We don't have any IP addresses or anything, but <laughs> uh, I don't think we had any Russian trolls on there. But it's just the, the the discussion got to be so so negative. So we really had to change the way we moderated. Just like I think a lot of other uh, websites have had to do over the years. And it's it's kind of sad. I, I still wish we were back in the early 2000s. It was such a fun. Time time uh, but we, we got to be realistic if we want to continue to serve and provide free information to students and have a place for them to support each other and have that peer support um, then we need to do we need to provide that protected environment so our moderators have, have certainly changed very much uh, on how they
0: how they moderate so just for for you listening if you don't know my backstory back in two thousand twelve when I started medical school headquarters, it was started partly on a similar reason you started SDN because of poor pre-med advising, but also because SDN back then was the the negative place for information to get very cutthroat information. And and when I started medical school headquarters, I my goal was if I can take one person and specifically a non-traditional student typically, if I could take one person who goes on SDN and, and reads something or asks a question and gets answers back that, that, and, and they think they can never become a physician and they leave there discouraged, I want to put out information to show them that they can. It may take longer than they expect and may take, uh, it may not be as easy as they want, but I'm going to show them that they can no matter what. And, and so it's, it's kind of funny how we've come full circle and we're having a discussion here because what has now become my life's work is partly because of, of the downturn of, of the forms at SDN and that negativity there that, that uh, was around. So um, yeah. I have to thank you for starting SDN and, <laughs> and allowing that looser moderation because I wouldn't be here yeah. if it wasn't for that. Yeah, um,
1: no, it, it's absolutely true. You know, it's. Uh, and it wasn't just uh, yourself. I think there have been other other people who've kind of kind of gone down that same road as well. And, and certainly the Reddit forums uh, that have popped up over the past few years—they uh, branched off because they felt that STN was was negative. Uh, I think I think to some degree, um, I would absolutely agree with you. Back 2010, t- 2012 time frame, um, things were 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 fairly negative, but. Um, I think if you took it on the balance, it's uh, so actually pretty positive. Unfortunately, it only takes you know it's 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 the normal human psyche to uh, to latch onto those one or two few mm-hmm. negative things, despite the you know hundred other positive things. Right? That's that's normal human behavior. And and when when you take SDN on the balance, uh, even even when you go back and you look at the more negative time frame, um. By and large, the, the information is very positive, and people are very supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I think that's kind of different from, say, Reddit, is Reddit people can up and down vote. Right? Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't really have that in in our forums. And by downvoting those those ones that get downvoted a lot, maybe they're particularly negative. That might be completely truthful. You know, so maybe somebody has a rotten GPA, and they're like, "Hey, brother, you know, with the GPA you got, you're not." you're not going to get into the schools that you're looking for right um, and it might be very truthful but it's such a, a, a it's a, it's a viewpoint that people don't want to hear so it gets downvoted and disappears so reddit has an interesting way of of kind of having a this this bias form um, based on up and down, down votes. we don't mm-hmm. have those up and down votes so that bias is not you you don't see it but again human nature is you're going to you're going to lock on to those negative one or two negative posts, and you're going to, even though you may have read the other 20 ones that are positive, uh, you're going to remember those one or two negative ones. And that's, uh, it's tough. It's tough to, uh, you know, in- tell people like, no, actually the vast majority of STN is very positive, very supportive, fun, and, and, and encouraging people. Uh, but yeah, there are going to be one or two people who have a viewpoint which you may not agree with, and you may take it very negatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are some people over, especially back a few years ago, until we changed the moderation, who, who were giving good advice, but were doing so in a manner that was, um, it's. I had one person describe it to me as though they wanted to be like a drill instructor, like a boot camp, you know, trying to like shock people in, into reality, mm-hmm. and that's. That's kind of a strong thing to do uh, when you're talking about people's dreams, right? It, it would be much better to say, hey, look, and doing exactly what you're doing uh, with med school headquarters and saying, hey, look, okay, where you're at right now is not great, okay? But here are pathways to get you to where you need to be. So um, that's uh, that's what we've really been working on is, hey, these people who are giving advice, where they're giving good advice, but in a negative way, working with them to say, hey, look, we appreciate you being here and, and helping out and really being part of the overall mission to help students become doctors. Um, but let's go about it in a way that doesn't crush people's souls, right? Um, and, and I think that that has definitely paid off working with those individuals over the past uh, past couple of years.
0: Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the, the, my favorite threads uh, posts was from a student who I I did some mock interviews with, and a student was was kicked out of his undergrad like twenty years ago. Um, finally realized after some events in his life that he was supposed to be a physician, and and after he got his acceptance to an allopathic medical school, for, for some reason I don't know why he did this. Went on to SDN and said, "Hey guys, here are my stats. Here's what I'm thinking." Like, what What should I do? And of course, everybody is like, oh, there's probably slim to none chance, right? right. Um, yeah. uh, and, and I have a, a, a different question for you in a minute. But sure. but it, it, this one guy, and he, he the student specifically emails me this one, and it's a, a faculty member, supposedly. Um, mm-hmm. It said, I wouldn't recommend this career path. Like, if a student read that, it's like, oh, a faculty yeah. member is telling me this. And so I think that's kind of the... The core of what SDN used to be, and obviously there's there's still going to be some some knuckleheads that'll um, say that kind of stuff now. So if a, if moderation is the way it is now, and a student goes and posts his or her story, and somebody says this, right? I wouldn't recommend this career path. Would that be moderated or no?
1: It's a good question, right? So if the person is being honest and and it's it's a reasonable statement then no it w- it would stay up and if, if if someone was trying to be just a a jerk and trying to crush somebody's soul f- for whatever reason then no that would not be tolerated um, so it, it it's really it's a case by case basis yeah
0: and it's it's hard to understand um what the true intentions are right behind text you don't you can't hear there their tone yeah. of voice and their—you can't so see their facial, exp- uh, facial expressions. That's, yeah, I mean, we've all sorry. we've
1: all gotten an email right where we're or typed emails where we're like not even thinking anything about it, like oh, yeah. you know, blah 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 blah, and, <laughs> uh, and then someone's like, oh my god, that's so rude. You're like, yeah. what are
0: you talking about? <laughs> yeah, why did you put this exclamation point here? <laughs> right, what yeah. are you trying to tell me? Yeah, yeah. it's hard, yeah. Uh, and that makes it that much harder. It is the it's, it's interesting being an osteopathic physician yourself. It seems like there's a lot of osteopathic bashing on SDN. What yeah, are, what think, are your thoughts behind that?
1: That's a darn good question. It's, I, th- I think it's insecurities really. Uh, th- there was, there was a thread I was looking at yesterday. Um, it was a, it's a not, it's not SDN. It's a um, There's a YouTube video by by a international medical school graduate. Um, he's a surgeon now, and I'm assuming he's doing pretty pretty well. Um, but he was he was putting. <laughs> I, out think the I might
0: know who you're talking about, but yeah, we'll, we'll he, keep he it. Was, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> never mind. I, I, I mean, I mean, I don't want to. Uh, I'm not disparaging or anything. It yeah. seems like he's doing well. Um, but his his viewpoint was, hey, it's better to go to I you know international medical school than it is to to be a DO. I think statistically, that doesn't. Really make a lot of sense, so, it, but ultimately it really got people fired up, right? Because and and it really even goes back to the very early days of SDN, and, and where I had to put a post in there. It's like, hey, you know, whether you pick MD or DO, it doesn't really matter. Just do whatever's right for you, and we don't need to have these MD versus DO or uh, discussions that just that don't provide any value. And and I just don't understand why people. People argue about it because at the end of the day, you, it just is what it is. If you got a DO degree, great. You got a DO degree, and you could go on and do great things. If you got an MD degree, same thing. And are there some residency programs that I could not get into because I was a DO at the time? Probably, yeah, absolutely. Um, but did I get into exactly what I wanted to get into? Yeah, I did, uh, and I went. I went into that with you know full knowledge. I've ever had a problem as as a DO since. Uh, you know, graduating residency, never, <laughs> never once. Yeah. People don't really care about what your degree is. What they care about is what their friends said about you. It's like, hey, is this person a good doc? You know, that's where people are getting most of their ad- advice. Like, hey, I have to pick a physician. Who do you recommend? Oh, I go see, you know, Doc Snuffy or whoever.
0: Um, I, I see that's a him. military name. Why? Who is this Snuffy person? Everybody in the military <laughs> uses Snuffy.
1: <laughs> I have no idea, but it's great. I love it. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think it's really insecurity based. I think that's pe- people are are worried that somehow they're inferior because they're going down this path. But mm-hmm. why somebody who's going down the MD path would really care about somebody going down a DO path? I I can't figure that one out either. It's like, yeah. you're, why do you, why do you care? <laughs> it's it's like I I even put into the post on this one that I saw yesterday the same one that we were just talking about. Is like it doesn't doesn't change the nature of it having these discussions, whether one thing is harder than another to get into. What's the, what's the point or purpose of the discussion? Uh, I just don't, I don't get it. It's some, it's something at a deeper psychological level, which I probably don't really even want to go scratching at too
0: much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So about a month or so ago, you reached out to me and said, we should have a talk. Absolutely. Talk about what's going on at SDN. Where you hope things go in the future for for the the future of our our pre med students.
1: Yeah. Well, the Student Doctor Network, like I said, it was it was created to be a place to provide good quality information and and to help support students as they go through their journey, right from being a from everything from high school all the way through to to residency, and. It was. It's a nonprofit organization. Um, like I said, I volunteer. I don't. I don't take any money from it. Um, but what I want to do is make sure that we are meeting our mission, right, of providing good quality content and information to students so they can make good decisions. Uh, and that's where, uh, over the last couple of years, I've been seeing your podcasts and um, really have found them to be. Quite excellent. You, you have a great number of people that you interview, good diversity, uh, have some really good advice there. So uh, my hope is that uh, uh, we can work with your organization and other organizations that provide, you know, really high quality, good information for free to students, because that is absolutely what our mission is all about.
0: For the pre-med student listening to this, who maybe has listened to a few of my podcasts and listened to how I talk about the, the quote-unquote three-letter website that shall remain nameless, um, what what rec- what recommendations would you have for him or her to to dip their toes into SDN to get the most use out of it and to also help you guys start start molding it into what you hope the vision uh, of it is for the future
1: right so i i'd say a couple of things one um whenever you're on the internet <laughs> make sure you've got uh <laughs> got, got a got a thick skin right uh people are going to tell you what they're thinking if 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 someone for instance is going into what are my chances for them um yeah and, and just lay it out there and they put their grades or or you know their mcat scores or whatever um be be open to what people are saying and but on the flip side if somebody says something you don't agree with okay cool that's their opinion and you don't you don't agree with them fine There's, you don't need to have a flame war with them uh just just ignore it and and drive on that's probably a, probably a good life strategy just in general whether you're on the internet or not <laughs> when you have a a disagreement with somebody. Um, The other thing would be is if somebody sees something that they think is inappropriate or condescending or rude, or just doesn't is not part of a kind of community that you'd want to be part of press the report bad post button. It's on, it's on the edge of every one of the, everyone on the posts on the, on the forum. So that way our moderators are alerted to it and can get right in there and, and, and take care of it. Um, because you know we have about sixty moderators, and obviously there's millions of posts, so they can't go over every single post every day. And we really rely on our community to to give us a heads up when there's when there's something inappropriate. So please, uh, one, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, and and um, don't don't engage with somebody and try to have a flame war with them. Just respectfully disagree. And to, if you see somebody being just an absolute um, jerk, uh, please report them so that we can uh, our moderators can get in there and, and take care of that.
0: And to remember that SDN isn't just forums; you guys are creating uh-huh. other content, other resources for students right. as well.
1: Yeah, and the the forums again. That's 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 the biggest part of the site now, but it's not. Not really where my passion is. My passion is really in creating all these other other free areas. So, uh, for instance, we have something called Study Schedule that was uh, actually originally created by um, a programmer at Google that we were working with. Um, he created it as a side project, and it's it's really fantastic. It uses uh, um, some really neat algorithms. You can go in there and say, okay, my MCAT's going to be on this date, and I want to pick. Uh, I'm going to use this. This uh, study book, uh, these courses X, Y, and Z, and then it puts together an entire study plan for you based on what you want to use. Uh, and it, so everybody's study plan is custom just to them, and it's it's just really cool. And it's it's totally free. We don't we're not collecting data or anything like that. Um, it's entirely. Uh, there for for students uh you don't have to be you don't have to use the forums or anything like that it's it's completely open for anybody it's studieschedule.org is the uh, domain name we have uh, scutwork uh, scutwork.com that's actually a site that started back in 2000 and uh, recently uh, uh they came and and, and we, we took the site over a couple of years ago and have updated it and I'm trying to work more with residency programs so that um as people post their reviews of their residency program, that the residency program directors have the opportunity to uh, review it and, and uh, use it as a positive feedback tool. Uh, we have something new, actually. Uh, this hasn't come out yet, but I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you can take a look at it right now. It's uh, review2.com. That's R-E-V-I-E-W, the number two.com. And what we've done there is we've taken reviews from Yelp, from Google, and then also have our own database of reviews so that if, as you go to take the MCAT or uh, DAT or PCAT or whatever, and you're gonna be going to a test center to go take that test, uh, you can pick which exam you're gonna take, which center you're gonna use, what state, you know, what city it's in, and it will show you a compiled report of all the different uh, reviews. And if people say, oh, you know, this one's really noisy or, and the air conditioning is not very good, then people can make a decision of, oh, maybe I want to take it at another test center. Uh, so that that's something also, again, completely free, doesn't collect information. Uh, one of the key components of the site that we've had for many years is interview feedback. I mean, as people go out on their interviews uh, for medical school or other schools, uh, they uh, come back and they can enter in what uh, what the questions were, kind of what the environment was like, uh, how the interviews were done. And then that helps other students. Uh, that's, I think that's one of the coolest things on the site. Uh, and then we also have uh, inter- information on all the schools, all that school information uh, is the same kind of information you can get uh, uh, anywhere else on the internet. That's not particularly unique. Uh, but we have some really cool, uh, cool resources. Uh, we also have, um, I'm sure a lot of your uh, people that listen are familiar with Lizzie M., Uh, She's a uh, person who (laughs) spends a lot of time on our site. Uh, She's an AdCom uh, member, but she created something back uh, 10 plus years ago called the Lizzie M score. And uh, so we created a calculator based on that 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 has a bunch of information. People can put in their MCAT scores or GPA, and then it'll tell them which schools are in that zone that they should be looking at as kind of the, key schools, and then which ones are more reach schools to look at. Uh, we have residency selector, which is, uh, we created that with uh, Anita Borman, who created the, the original red book on uh, selecting a residency. Uh, in fact, we, we published that book as well uh, as a, as a uh, partner to the residency selector. Uh, we also have uh, doctor question and answers. So pretty much every different specialty you can think of, and every subspecialty, we have uh, Q&A, we ask the same questions, 20 questions of every single uh, doctor so there's a bunch of cool stuff out there we also have a- another one that i that i really enjoy it's a med school uh, app cost calculator so again we're not collecting any information or anything like that it's completely free a uh, student goes in there says i'm going to apply to these schools uh here's how much i'm going to spend on um you know unif- uh uniform not a uniform i'm thinking the army now <laughs> uh, on a suit uh this is how much I'm spending on travel, X, Y, and Z. It does a lot of calculation for you. And then it tells you, hey, here's how much you're going to need to budget for, for your medical school interviews. Uh, so that that's, that's a pretty cool cool thing as well.
0: Yeah, I just added one of those calculators to my website too. Okay, it's helpful for students. Yeah. I, I, I want to – I was going to refrain, but I, you brought up Lizzie M's score. And I, I want to talk about yeah. Lizzie M kind of to, sure. to close out here. Okay. It's funny that you brought up Lizzie M. Because I was at the UC Davis conference this past weekend before we're talking now. And I asked uh, um, a dean of admissions who was there from a a Midwestern uh, allopathic medical school. I'm like, what do you think about Lizzie M.? And he he had a few choice words about Lizzie M. And and I I think it, it seems like there's a huge pushback against things like Lizzie M., because it's taking the, the quote-unquote holistic view out of the admissions process from a pre-med's perspective. And the pre-med is being told just bad information just based on stats. And the schools that may be a great fit for the student aren't getting the chance to see that student's application because Lizzie M said that the student didn't have a chance there. do you think about that
1: yeah it's a it's a it's a valid point i would say though that uh, as long as medical schools continue to use systems that automatically screen people based on gpa and mcat score then the M score is going to continue to be probably fairly valid okay yeah, I mean, it's it just is what it is. It's not like it's just something that somebody just took some dice and rolled it. This this is based on years of of uh, evidence, and uh, evidence pretty much bears out what uh, what the Lizzie M score provides. Now, that being said, people should do what they what they want to do. This is not uh, this is not the AAMC telling somebody this is your this is where you need to apply. Yep. This is just. One tool, if, if you don't have a lot of money and you can't spread, you know, you can't, can't spread yourself to, across every single school application, then here's, here's where you're going to be best targeted. And that, that's what that is best used for. Okay.
0: Good. As we wrap up here, what are your, your final words of wisdom for the, the pre-med student out there who maybe has been to SDN before and, and never swore never to go back or those who uh, will go check it out for the first time now?
1: Yeah, you know, I welcome everybody to, to use a site where we're completely free. We don't collect information. We're a nonprofit site. Uh it's entirely supported just with the ads that you see on the site. Um and we'll we'll always be free. Uh whether we have the forums or, or not. It's it's we're there to help students achieve their dreams. And don't get wrapped up around, you know, get don't get wrapped around the axle based on one or two posts that, that you see on an anonymous forum. Um, really, you know, take it as a whole, uh, look at all the other resources that we offer and, and understand uh, where, where you fit in that bigger picture.
0: All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Lee Burnett, the founder of Student Doctor Network, a osteopathic physician, which you heard me bring up, isn't that interesting? An osteopathic physician founded the website that bashes a lot of osteopathic um, medical schools and says, oh, you're not good enough for an MD school. Go to a DO. Those are the kinds of, of discussions that I, I want to try to moderate away. We had a discussion after we stopped recording about the what are my chances threads. I said, we need to get rid of those because those, you can't answer that. If somebody asked me that in, in the pre-med hangout, what are my chances? The answer is 0% if you don't apply and more than zero if you do apply. That's the only real truthful answer. I can tell you possibly this is what past data shows, but I can't show you what your chances are now. No one can tell you that. So there are a lot of things, a lot of things that I am interested in doing, in advising, in helping Student Doctor Network with moving forward And I hope that you give me some time to work with them to make it a better resource. Collaboration, not competition. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years.